Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Good to be together again today. Now we're going to get into the message, the teaching for today. But every year, this Sunday, every year, somebody comes before you and asks you to pray about something, ask you to uh, potentially be generous and give towards something, and I'm going to do it again today. If you're part of One Hope, you know how much we want to invest in, believe in the next generation. And one thing we do each summer is we send, um, this year between 80 and 100 people to our kids and our teen, uh, our student youth camps. But I'm going to tell you, life has not gotten any cheaper. And these camps are anywhere between $350 and $400. And some of these families have more than one student going. So here I'm going to make a very simple ask of you, if you can. Can you help get these kids to camp? Can you help? Um, and, and, and just, you may not be able to send a, whole, a kid the whole way to camp, but maybe just you've got $50, you've got $100. We ask our church to help these kids get to camp. That money doesn't end up being the, um, you know, the, the, the wall, the, the divide between them being able to go and experience what God has for them. I'm going to tell you, something special happens at camp every year. Stories that they come back with, either relationships with each other that feed into what God does every week week in our student ministry, our kids ministry, or literal spiritual moments that happen where people have been called to ministry, people have been, um, uh, have realized the presence of God maybe for the first time in their lives. We hear these stories over and over, and we want to get those kids to camp, and so I'm just being very blunt this morning, all right? I'm just putting it before you. If you can help Get help these families out part of one hope that money doesn't end up being the thing that holds them back from having that experience Can you go online to give write a check cash whatever? Um, to help that and just put camp on it and we will distribute that to get these kids and students to camp uh, This summer so there it is you do with it with what you can but I'll tell you this morning we are coming to an end All right, we're coming to an end if if, if you're a guest today. I'm sorry because we're landing a plane that took off the very first week of January, all right? We've been talking about anchoring our lives now for nine weeks, all right? And so if you are our first-time guest today or you missed any of those, I want you to go back and catch up to where God's been speaking, how God's been speaking to us at One Hope for these last nine weeks. And I've actually been having conversations, even a great conversation before this service with friends of like, God seems to have been speaking. God does seem to be planting these seeds of anchors in our lives. There seems to be something special that's happened these first nine, nine weeks, maybe even more than I had hoped. And it's been really neat, but, but I've asked the question to myself, and I've asked other people, what has it been about the idea of being anchored that is connected with people? What is this idea of being anchored? Maybe that means so much to us. And, and through those conversations, lots of reasons, but I do think one big reason is because the world we live in in 2024 is that we have a battle going on of information, ideas, and opportunities thrown at us so fast and so plentiful, right? Like we have so many things 
that are being thrown at us. And I think sometimes we wonder, what should we be okay with? What should we absorb? What should we say yes to and not yes to? That I think sometimes we battle with a mindset that's like, I don't want to get behind in life, you know, but I also don't want to say yes to things and go down a path that actually leads to destruction. How do we handle the pace of information and ideas and opportunities that are being thrown at us? Because I think in general, what this does is it creates like an inner chaos. I think for many people, that may not be you, but it is maybe someone sitting next to you. There's this inner conflict that is going on. That What it does is it gives us stress. And as I look around and I hear people tell stories and I read, it, it seems like culture in general is very stress-filled, very fear-filled, just a conflicted people. So maybe when someone like me just stands up here and says, hey, could we pause for a moment? Just when someone like me stands up and here goes, I know the pace of light that's coming at you, but maybe we could pause and we can maybe throw down an anchor. Maybe this helps a little. At least that's my prayer, is that it helps. Is that my prayer is that we have nine weeks of conversations, but I don't want these nine weeks of conversations to stay in this room and stay in this moment, but they can lead into how we live life from here on out. It helps us making decisions. It helps us understand who we are and how we're going to live. It, it helps us maybe to pre-decide this is what life is going to be like at least that's my prayer and i'm going to say for the last time because if we do this maybe we drift a little bit less maybe we drift a little bit less in a way that only brings regret drift a little bit less that only brings a little more confusion Maybe drift a little bit less that, that takes away the purpose and way we were created and who we were created for. That maybe we can wake up in the morning. Maybe you can wake up tomorrow morning and the next morning and the next morning and you can be able to say, I know what anchors me. I know what anchors me. What anchors me is is God's truth, not my own. God's truth, God's word to me that never changes and it always gives life. What anchors me is freedom that's found in Jesus, not freedom that's found in me. Not freedom that is temporary. Not freedom on things that I can even put my hands on here on this earth, but freedom that really gives me something to live in. The freedom that Jesus announced in his coming I've come to bring. No, what anchors me is a life of servanthood, the life that I saw Jesus live. And let's just be honest, if it was good enough for Jesus, it is good enough for me. What anchors me is forgiveness. Forgiveness in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Forgiveness that's found in confession of my sins and the repentance of it. What anchors me is that I'm willing to acknowledge who I am and then turn to live a different life. What anchors me is a life of prayer. 
a life of prayer that brings a more dynamic and personal relationship with God. What anchors me is a life of holiness. Because scripture says, be holy because he was holy. So I live set apart. I live set apart in who I am. I live set apart in, in, in what I do. I live set apart in what I have been given. I live set apart. What anchors me in life is that I'm in this world but not of this world. I live different. And maybe if we make these decisions now, we don't drift like we once drifted. All right? That is the hope. But we move on to the last anchor today. You know, I was actually asked this week, Scott, can we get part two of Anchored? And I just simply said, listen, I spoke the messages I felt God gave me. I got no more anchors. Like, I'm all anchored out. You know what I'm saying? If God gives me more anchors, I'll come back with more anchors. But we're finishing with the last anchor today in this anchor is an anchor that every one of us need, every one of us wants. It's an anchor if you're part of One Hope. This is part of our culture at a deep level that we need to live in every day. This anchor is important, and I hope we never come disconnected from what God is trying to give us. But I don't want to talk about you to begin today. I want to talk about the people that came before you. I want to talk about those first followers of Jesus and why they needed today's anchor so badly. In the beginning, when this movement of Christianity started, in the beginning, when uh, people saw and experienced the death and resurrection of Jesus, in the beginning, after the Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost, as the movement of Christianity was growing, as the amount of people following Jesus was growing, do you know what was also growing with it? A ton of persecution. Listen, when the, when the movement, this, this movement called the Way back then was a small movement, the Jewish people didn't really care. The governments didn't really care. Like, it's just, there's always these little uh, underground movements going on, and who really meant? But as the, they grew by thousands, as people began to follow Jesus in all these different cities, and, and churches were starting, and all the persecution came with it. Specifically, between 60 and 70 AD, there was a mass amount of persecution. Especially in Rome and in the late 80s, early 90s, a mass amount of persecution was going on. And so people that were following Jesus didn't really follow him and come together like we are today so easily, so fortunate, so privileged to do this. They would have to find places to worship. They would have to find places to be together. They would have to find places where they could encourage each other and they could walk this journey of following Jesus together. And so you know where they would go? Caves, catacombs, places often in rural places to get away, to not get caught. We know this because we begin through archaeological digs and just people scouring the areas over the years. We found in these caves, in these catacombs, we find these drawings of symbols 
drawings of symbols that m- most people believe were put there as people meant to, met together that would remind them of what they believed, remind them of who they are in the middle of the persecution. Now remember that probably 90% of the people then would have been illiterate. So these drawings and these symbols would have been so powerful for them. Do you know what these symbols are? There's a good chunk of symbols, but the four main symbols that you would have seen Four main symbols in these caves, in these catacombs, they would be a fish. You've maybe heard of ichthus, a fish. I think we have a picture of what that would look like. They'd see this, and they'd be reminded of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. They'd see a shepherd. There'd be a shepherd. Be reminded of who Jesus is and what he taught. Then, then there would be a dove. A dove reminding Holy Spirit reminding of that moment but you know what the fourth one was you know what the fourth one was it is an anchor it's an anchor many people would think that the cross would have been the fourth or where is the cross well the cross didn't come much later probably till in the 300s ish mostly during the day of Constantine that's when the cross came they would have the picture of the anchor to remind them what they have in Jesus, what they are committed to. And so this, this truth of the anchor has been around for a long time. That's why we see it in, in, in through Scripture as well. Like in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, it says, We have this hope. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul firm and secure we have this hope that is an anchor to our soul it's firm and secure now we don't know who wrote those words specifically in hebrews we we have our guesses we don't know but this was written to followers of Jesus. Remember, leave your seat today. Imagine what it's like to be them. That, that is written to these followers of Jesus that lived in a world that's hard for us to imagine that what meant to follow Jesus is you were really set apart. You were really separated from much of culture. Maybe you were kicked out of your family because you followed Jesus. Maybe you're risking your livelihood because you're following Jesus. Maybe you are literally risking your life to follow Jesus. They needed a hope in their life that was immovable. They needed a hope in their life that didn't sway through life and come and go. They needed a hope. But the question needed to ask from this one plucked out verse is where was that hope found? What was that hope found in? It's great to say we have to have a hope that is uh, for the deep places in our soul, but it's firm and secure. But what, it's, what is it firm and secure in? This is why we got to read around it. It's why often, I'll tell you, as you're reading Scripture, it's okay to have a verse, but it's really okay to see what's written around some of those popular verses. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to read in Hebrews 6. We're going to see what that hope actually was for these people who needed it so badly. What was so firm and secure about it? 
Hebrews chapter 6. We'll go verse 13 through 20. You can follow along, get your Bibles, phones, whatever. It's here on the screen. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Okay, what is this writer, this pastor, this author, what's he saying? You got to remember that the, the people who are receiving this word are Jewish people, okay? They were Jewish by birth, they're growing up, and they would have known the stories of generations past. Stories were passed down. They had an amazing ability to remember and recall. They would have known about the oath, the covenant, the promise, whatever you want to call it, with Abraham. You know that story, right? Do you remember that story? God talks to Abraham in his old age and tells him that he and his wife are going to have children. is very um, out of the ordinary. It didn't make sense to them at all, but God made them a promise that they would have descendants as much as the stars in the sky. They would be grandparents, we'll say, to Israel. The lineage would fall underneath them for generation to generation. And he says to them, if you obey me, I'll be your God and you will be my people. If you will obey me, I will be your God and you will be my people. Well, the people hearing this word in Hebrews, the people that are hearing this spoken to them, they would have heard about and seen the faithfulness of God that he had always kept his promise. They would have known that God is trustworthy when he makes a promise. They have been told their life to don't put hope in anything other than God. Don't put it in the government. Don't put it in the money you have or don't have. Don't put it into their family. Don't put it in anything temporary. That their hope is found in a God who made an oath, made a covenant, he made a promise with the people. And they would have known that God didn't and still hadn't lied to them. Their story would have been through grandparents and great-grandparents and people that God had always kept his promise. They can see that he is faithful, that he keeps his word. 
They could trust that. Now the writer makes a transition, though. Now the writer makes the transition. He says, it is not just God who made an oath with Abraham. No, no. The hope. Listen, the hope that is an anchor for their lives is not just a past promise from God, but in a present person sent by Jesus, sent by God. This promise is not just a past, a past promise that you can hear about. It's actually something that's happening right in front of them today. And this new promise is found in the person Jesus. The same promise that was made generations ago is now going to be lived out by this person, Jesus, who was from the very beginning the high priest that would go before God on your behalf. This writer is reminding them, this high priest that you've been used to, that, that once a year would go into the Holy of Holies and represent the people before God. We've actually talked about this with Moses' brother Aaron in this series, if you remember back. that They would go, this is what Jesus does. He goes before you to God, and he's always been there. See, this is a hope that's not just in heaven in the future. It's a hope of salvation today. It's a hope of a promise today. And listen, they needed that promise. They needed that truth. They needed that hope. If you can't reconcile in your mind how hard life was for them, you can't understand how powerful the words can be. You have this anchor for your soul that is firm and secure. You can tie your life to it. If you don't understand how hard life was, then these words lose their power. These words lose their strength. These words lose how much the writer was speaking to these people. You can trust God through Jesus. This is your anchor for life. They needed this because, to be honest, they didn't have a whole lot. This was life-changing. But I wonder if their story sometimes can be our story. Maybe different circumstances. Maybe the storyline is completely different, but you can resonate with needing this hope. That we need to be people of hope. That we also need to be people who are anchored to Jesus, who is secure and firm and keeps all of his promises for us. We need to be people of hope who find their security, our foundation in something beyond ourselves, beyond temporarily things that are given on this hope, this earth. That we need to be people of hope, though not, no matter what life brings at us, we can attach ourselves to something, to someone who is not moving. And maybe we need this 
same hope. The conversation I was having before service with some friends that often the story of people in Scripture, often the stories of people from 50 years ago, often the stories of people 10 years ago is the same stories of today, the same struggles we have, the same needs that we have. And I have to believe that while the story in Hebrews is to a people that came well before us, that same message may need to be for us today. And my question for you is, how is your hope today? Where do you find your hope today? How is life right now and what have you attached yourself to? In what you're walking through life, have you found a hope that is deep in your soul, that is firm and secure in Jesus, or... Have you put your hope in things that are constantly moving? Things that are here one day and gone the next. What have you attached your hope to? How would you answer that question? I say that because the reality is finding personal hope in Jesus is only the beginning. If you're part of One Hope, or if you walk through what we walked through four years ago, about four years ago now, with name change, you know that God put a verse deep into my heart for this place. You see it in the main lobby as you walk out. You see it in the cafe lobby as you walk out. You see it as you come in on Sunday mornings, and my hope is that you see it. It reminds us of what we need to be reminded of, that in 1 Peter 3.15, you should be familiar with this if you've been around one hope, is that, but in our hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Put him in the place he belongs. Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this in gentleness and respect. Hear me. We aren't just people of hope. We are people who are always prepared to share our hope that's found in Jesus. We aren't just people of hope. We are to be people who are always prepared to share this hope that we have found. See, first, we need to know where our hope is found. We need to first know that where our hope is firm and secure. We need to know that it's anchored in the promises of God in the person of Jesus, the one who died and forgave us, the one who rose again to give us victory. We need to know that truth. We need to know what our answer is when people are saying, life isn't shattering you, why? Life isn't destroying you the way it destroys me, why? When you walk through things and people watch you walk through it and you don't look the way the rest of the world looks and you are set apart how we walk through destructive moments, you need to be ready to share why. And I hope that your why is understood because your hope is firm and secure in the person of Jesus. 
I was talking to a One Hope mom recently, and she's telling me about her daughter, who has become so passionate about Jesus. Yes, she's young, but God is speaking to her in deep ways. Her prayer life is changing. Her insights are growing. How she's communicating these things is evolving. And the funny thing about her, she just wants to tell everybody about Jesus. And I see this, and, you know, it, it does to me what it should do to you. Like, that warms my heart that someone young is finding this in Jesus. But it also got me thinking, what happens to us as we get older often? In some ways, have we lost the amazement of Jesus? Have we forgotten how incredible Jesus is that all we want is to tell people about him? Why is it that a young child who's still just learning about Jesus has this energy, but we end up as we get older not having that same energy in us? What has happened to our passion in Jesus? I'll tell you, passion is not our problem in life. Your, your passion is not your problem in life. We are passionate about a lot of things, and we know what we're passionate about how, what we talk about. Some of you are very passionate about your kids and grandkids. Some of you are very passionate about a sport or a dance, a hobby. Some of you are very passionate about hunting and fishing because I learn about it from you. And I have no idea what you're talking about most of the time. You're passionate about fashion. You're passionate about whatever, your job. Passion is never our problem. We are passionate people. But I wonder sometimes... How do we end up not being passionate about Jesus and the things that he has done in our life that that is what we talk about? And I wonder, what if we prayed not only that we can be filled with the hope that's found in Jesus, that we, be can, we can be filled with the passion to talk about where that hope is found? Because I tell you this quite frequently, I think, is that we have a world around us that needs to know where help is found, hope is found in the midst of conversations that are often filled with negativity, pessimistic outlooks on life, everything is tragic, and the problem is that's our conversations. But what if we made a decision that said that's how hopeless people talk? That's how hopeless people talk navigate this world what if we make decisions that where we have found our hope changes how we have conversations day to day that doesn't change the problems we walk through it doesn't change the weight of life it doesn't change the scenarios but it can change the conversations that we have it can change our filter of how we walk through life i wonder 
Why isn't that us? And I got to thinking about something. Maybe it's because as time goes on, life kind of beats us down a little bit. My buddy Charles brought these to the office this week, and he said, uh, when we talked about it, he's like, Scott, I got this, I got a new anchor for my boat. He's planning to use this this summer. It looks new, got the nice rubber on this, and oftentimes we think this is what hope has to be. Look nice, new, never changing, it's just like, look it. Just a nice little anchor that when we go through life, it, it, this drags on the ground, it eventually catches, and we know this works. It looks like it, it works. But oftentimes our story is more one of this. I don't think Charles uses this one much anymore because he bought the new one, and these old ones, they can look beat up. Oftentimes you can find rust on them. They've been through some stuff. They've been tied to the boat, and they've been through some things. They've been dragged on the bottom of the, uh, uh, of the, uh, the floor of the, of the uh, lake or ocean. It's been through some things. But can I tell you today that an old anchor works just as good as a new anchor. Even when rust or it's beat up, that you can buy a new anchor if you want, but this would still work if he wanted it to work. Because it doesn't matter what's on the outside. It doesn't really matter what it's been through. It works. And you may have walked through some things in life Maybe you're walking through some things in life and maybe your anchor doesn't look as pretty as the new one. But can I remind you this morning that underneath all that, the anchor that we need in life doesn't really matter about the surface. It matters what's underneath it all. That when Jesus is that anchor, it really doesn't matter about us. It really doesn't matter what we've been through. The hope in Jesus still works. It's still firm and secure if you let it be that. I'll even say this, sometimes after you've been through some things in life, maybe your hope is actually stronger than when it's new, when it's found in Jesus, because it can go through a lot, but maybe the testing has shown you. I really am firm when I put my hope in Jesus as my anchor in life. See, maybe if you've walked through some things in life, you've learned a lesson that says when our anchor in life is, is, anchor in life is hope found in Jesus, it will always be strong enough to get through whatever life throws at us. We've talked through a lot of anchors. 
But at the end of the day, when life comes at you, my prayer is that your anchor is in a hope that God has made promises in the past and he's been faithful. God's promises even came true in the person of Jesus and Jesus is faithful. The only question I have for you this morning is where do you put your hope and who are you telling about it? Where are you putting your hope as an anchor and who are you telling about it? As we walk through whatever life brings, if God's made a promise, he will come through. But the question is, will you find your hope and put your faith in this God? I don't know if anybody's walked through, maybe people watching online have walked through things and your hope is shaken, or maybe you've never put your hope in Jesus. And the move today is saying, God, I trust you with my life. I trust you with your death and resurrection. My life is yours. Forgive me. I want to follow you. I want to put my hope in you. You've never done that. I encourage you to do that. But I encourage you today. I know this room is filled with heartache and disappointment. I know this room is filled with moments that were too big and overwhelming for you. If you've been looking for something to anchor you because you are drifting every time you go through a hard moment, I want to encourage you that Jesus is strong enough to handle whatever comes at you in life. You can anchor yourself to him. That's what these early Christians needed to hear, and that is what we need to hear today as well. What are you anchored to? And so God in heaven, I don't know what's going on in this room today, but I do know that every one of us should make the decision to find and put our hope in you as our Savior, as our God, as our King, as our Lord. God, that whatever we walk through, you are strong enough to anchor us. Help us to trust you. Help us to trust that your promises always come true. And the biggest one is the promise that was fulfilled in Jesus. So will you speak to your people today? Speak hope into them so they can speak hope into a world around them. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.